Good morning. So good to see all of you on this Epiphany morning, second Sunday of Epiphany. In this season of Epiphany, we are um, celebrating and remembering the revelation of God um, made known to us, revealed in us in Jesus Christ, and how this revelation of who God is, is for all people. It's for all people. Um, So in this season of Epiphany, we are studying the book of Ephesians, so we're going to be diving a little further into that today, Um, but let's open with a word of prayer as we begin. Oh God, we are the clay and you are the potter. Please mold us and form us, God, this day. Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts this morning. May we know your word to us today. God, remove any distractions and help us to let go and lay down, surrender those things um, that you want to hold for us now in this time. God, we lay those things before you and we turn the ear of our hearts to you. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It was eight years ago, almost to this very day, that I was on a class trip to Greece and Turkey, studying, uh, the class was called In the Footsteps of the Apostle Paul. So this is what I did as a biblical and theological studies major in college. And on Saturday, January 16th, um, 2010, my classmates and I explored the ancient city of Ephesus. Ephesus lies on the western coast of modern-day Turkey, um, just off the Aegean Sea. It is like a beautiful place, you know? People are like, let's go to Greece and let's go wherever. Greece is beautiful, but Turkey is seriously underrated, and it's really beautiful. And we saw the ruins of an old ancient library in Ephesus that once had like over 12,000 scrolls of papyrus in it, you know. So that was cool. And we saw the city's huge theater, like this huge outdoor theater that seated over 24,000 people. And it was in this theater that in Acts 19, there was this big riot and it was all crazy. You got to read it in Acts 19. But that happened also in Ephesus while Paul was in town. Things were getting stirred up. Um, This is Ephesus was also the home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which was the temple of Artemis. She was a Greek god worshipped primarily as a fertility deity. She was a, a protectress of the household. So this was a huge deal in Ephesus. Um, Because of the Temple of Artemis that was here in Ephesus, it was also considered one of the most sacred cities of antiquity. And during the reign of Caesar Augustus, it was a busy Roman seaport. So it was under the control of the Roman Empire. And it was a busy Roman seaport because it was right there on the sea. Now it's kind of like a... (coughs) It's more like a sandbox because the environment has changed, so it no longer like looks out onto the sea. It's kind of like marshy. Um, but it once was this harbor. And so um, it was a busy seaport, and it was a flourishing, increasingly cosmopolitan, international trade center 
for Rome. So it was, it was like a hub, you know? It was a big city. Um, a couple hundred thousand people lived there, maybe. So it was pretty big. So Ephesus, huh, it was a pretty big deal. We also saw the toilets. They had public, um, public latrines and had these little holes. It looked like a cement slab, and there were little holes that kind of looked like little keyholes, actually, but big, like, you know, rear-end-sized. And um, the city even had its own, like, plumbing system of sorts. It was amazing. I don't remember how it all worked because, well, that was a while ago. But it's, it was just amazing. So, and kind of like the wealthier you were, the more pipes you could have going into your home or, you know, there's like aqueducts and it's crazy. Anyway, so we saw the toilets too. Not very private, very public, but they were there. So all in all, pretty amazing, you know, Ephesus and really real, really real. There on the coast of Turkey um, once lived our early brothers and sisters in Christ. People who heard and believed um, the witness of the apostles attesting to our Savior, Jesus Christ. They heard and believed the witness of the apostles, of this Savior, this Messiah, who came and lived and died and rose again. They believed it. They believed in Jesus. And it is to these Christ followers in this city that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter that we know of as Ephesians. The first half of the letter just like exudes emotion. Paul, his language is big and it is beautiful and it points again and again towards the praise and the worship of God who loves and acts on behalf of his people. Paul is writing to this community of believers in Ephesus to remind them, both Jews and Gentiles, of what Jesus had done and what it meant for them to live out this daily life there in the city of Ephesus, which kind of leads into the second half of the letter in which Paul calls them to unity and teaches them about the practical outworking of this vision of Jews and Gentiles together forming the church, the body of Christ. So I say all of that to say that these are really real people (laughs) sorting through their real religious, political, cultural, economic differences. Paul was writing to real men and women who were seeking to live faithfully to Christ in their city, in their time in history. It was politically complicated. (laughs) It was um, religiously really complicated. The relationship between Jews now following Jesus and Gentiles now following Jesus was really complicated to work out. And then you've got this huge, gigantic temple of Artemis standing loud and proud in the middle of it all. That's complicated. It's like, oof, that. <laughs> and this, this week I did a lot of reading about the, like, you know, first century. I'm trying to like wrap my brain around it to understand what life was like, you know, in first, in the first century in Ephesus. And it's just really tough to grasp all of it. It's just, you know, that's why scholars like can spend their whole like careers like honing in on just one, one thing in one place in time, because there's a lot going on and it takes a lot of work to get in there and like figure out all of those different forces that are at work influencing the people of that time. And while it's difficult for us to 
totally grasp all of that. We're not going to like linger a long time on that this morning. I think we can imagine and we can relate to how political, religious, cultural, and economic forces have the power to stratify and separate people in our time, in our day. You know, we know what that's like. There are all these forces going on at work. We hear about it in the news all of the time. And the power that those things have to divide and to separate. And it's complicated. You know, it's not all as clear cut as we want it to be sometimes. In our Bible reading for today in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Paul communicates to his listeners that in the midst of this complexity of life, for Jews and for Gentiles in this, in this city, in this community of Ephesus, a new reality is now revealed for those who are in Christ. This is a new thing. And Paul is like, pay attention. <laughs> this, this reality is now like the one I want you paying attention to. And he says this, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I would sum up Paul's words like this. First, you are no longer strangers or outsiders. You're no longer strangers and outsiders. You belong to one another. You're really different, but now you belong to one another. Number two, you are being fitted together, carefully fitted together, to become a holy place of worship in which God lives. You're being fitted together to become a holy place of worship where God lives. You belong to God. You belong to one another. You belong to God. This is the joyous revelation that is ours in Jesus Christ. We are being fitted together, rising to become this holy temple in the Lord, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And church, we claim continuity with those ancient Christians of Ephesus and with all of the Christians before us and currently who have sought to preserve and to teach and to live by the apostles' teaching about Jesus. It's like this flow. It's like the stream. We're in it. Paul says, you belong to one another <laughs> and all that's gone before, the good and the bad, and you belong to God. Always so good. Always so good. Always not bad. You know? That's all of us Jesus followers together. We're talking city people and country people. 
We're talking the people of God at Target. We're talking the people of God at Walmart. We're talking the food shelf people of God. We're talking the co-op people of God. <laughs> We're talking Catholic people of God. We're talking covenant people of God. Hymn singing people of God. Chanting, singing people of God. <laughs> Chris Tomlin singing people of God. <laughs> We're talking German, Norwegian, people of God. That's me. We're talking um, Burkino Faso, people of God. My friend Francois, who owned the bakery, remember him? It's this little country in West Africa. We're talking Mexico, people of God, Mexican people of God, like our friends in Oaxaca. We know some people. We are being, all of us are being fitted together to become this dwelling, this temple in which God lives by his spirit, for we belong to one another and we belong to God. Now, in a number of times in Paul's writings, here in Ephesians 2 in particular, Paul uses this language of temple, which would have been familiar to both Jews, for they had their temple in Jerusalem, and it would have been familiar to the Gentiles who had this big pagan temple, um, to Artemis there, right in the city of Ephesus. So, temples are this familiar thing. And Paul uses a couple of different words to describe temple, and he uses it as this metaphor throughout some of his writings to describe, um, to describe the people of God. So he, he uses a word that kind of in general means temple, um, kind of like the, both the inner sanctuary and the outer like courts of the temple area. And then he uses another word to describe more of the um, inner section, inner section of the temple, the place of God's dwelling known as the Holy of Holies. So the second word, the more specific one for temple that Paul uses um, is here in Ephesians 2.21. And it says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So this is Paul's metaphor where believers are joined together to become the holy of holies inner place in the temple where God dwells. The place of God's dwelling by his spirit. The people of God are being fitted together to become like this holy of holies where God dwells, where God lives, like he did in the temple. <sighs> I was really pumped about that. God is doing that. He wants to dwell and dwell us. No longer in a building, but in his people. It's part of his mission. It's part of his work of made, making us agents of his love and mercy in the world. Because he wants all people in. He wants everybody built in to this temple. I think in addition to this temple language, I think we must also notice the active language in this passage that speaks to the current reality that on the one hand, we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And on the other hand, we are being, being built together, being fitted together, growing into, being built. These are all the, like, the verbs that he uses. It's like this active process, you know, of our being fitted together in Christ. So we're in Christ and we're being fitted. There's this hap thing happening. And I wonder how God is fitting us together, church, today amidst our differences um, 
amidst our complications that we experience in life today. Where is God building us together? What does that look like? What are the signs that you see? Let me tell you a few things that I see. This is just a starting place, so you get to say what you see too sometime, but um, this is some of the things that I see. I've got how God is fitting us together as his church. I see growing places of connection and familiarity with the folks here at Elam. That has not always been the case. We're growing. God is fitting us together as his church here. As we meet together on these Sunday mornings, we're growing in our connection with Elam. And that is, that's something that God does. He fits his people together. I see God fitting us together, building us together um, in our shared breakfasts with the people of Hope Avenue as we continue to show up and get to know each other. I see the deepening of mutual relationship with a couple of our local covenant church plants that we went to visit last summer, Seeds Community Covenant and the Story Covenant Church. God is building together and fitting together his church here in Minneapolis with our covenant brothers and sisters. I see it when you all invite your families to church. And it is like the Spirit of God speaks to us heart to heart. And like we are encouraged. I think Abby Way is encouraged. And they're encouraged. And I think that too is how God is fitting us together as his church. This mutual encouragement. This mutual speaking of the Spirit from heart to heart. I saw it when Pastor Jan and Carolyn went, Carolyn went flying to Mexico to experience life with our missionary friends, the Clausens, witnessing God's church in Mexico, what God is doing there. We are now fitted with them. We're like linked to them in a way that we, we were not before. And that's God's work, I think, of growing his church together. I see it when we wrestle through tough questions in Bible studies together, when you're like, well, I think this, and you're like, well, I think that. You know, I see it in our willingness to be vulnerable, vulnerable with each other. When we say like, ah, I see it when we pray for one another at the end of the service. God is joining us together to be this holy of holies where he comes to dwell among us. I'm so encouraged how God is building us together. These are just a few of the ways. But I want to see more of that. I want to pay attention, and I want us to pay attention to what God is doing and joining us together. And I want to propose that we can take an active posture with God and with one another in this process. Like if we believe that we belong to one another and we belong to God... Let's practice belonging, you know? Like it says, the first thing was, we are no longer outsiders or strangers. Um, we belong to one another. So it's like living, let's practice belonging in the sense of like living into that truth that we belong to one another, even if we don't really like it, even if we don't really feel that way, feel like we belong necessarily all the time. Does that make sense?
So, I mean, here are some ways that I think we can like have this active posture of practicing our belonging, practicing the trueness that we belong to one another and we belong to God. Um, in our relationships with one another and in our relationship with God, let's presume welcome. Let's assume, let's be so bold as to expect welcome from one another and welcome from God. And let's be, let's presume and expect and extend welcome to one another. So we presume welcome, that we are welcomed, and we extend welcome. Let's be people who do that. Let's practice, practice belonging by um, believing that this fitting together process amidst our differences can energize us and not just drain us. You know, that actually this process of being fitted together can be good and not just irritating. <laughs> you know, because sometimes it's hard work. And it just feels like, this is just going to be hard work. Ugh. But let's believe and let's practice our belonging and believe that this is, can be a process that is energizing to us. And energizing actually in our relationship with God as well, too. That God is like, no, 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 no. This could energize things here. <laughs> I'm going to get something going as I fit you together. Let's believe, let's practice belonging by refraining from fixing, saving, or setting other people straight. Because in general, that doesn't really help us out. So we practice our belonging by instead asking open and honest questions to one another. This takes some work. You know, I used to not be a very good question asker at all. I would be with someone and, like, my mind was blank. Could not think of a single question. <laughs> and I had to, like, pray and I had to work on it and be like, God, please, uh, help me to think of some good questions. Like, just get one open, honest question and run with that for a while, you know? <laughs> and listen. <laughs> Actually, listen. Let's practice belonging also by speaking for ourselves, like speaking the truth for ourselves and then owning responsibility for what we say, owning those convictions that we have. Let's practice belonging by taking relational risks as the Spirit leads us. Because it's like when we kind of play it safe sometimes, sometimes that can keep us from being fitted together. God's like, hey, I want you to take this relational risk with your church, with your Christian friend, with this coworker. Like, step in. Ask the, ask the question. Practice the open, honest question on that person. <laughs> Offer a little bit of your time and gift and energy in a way that you haven't before. Just see what God does. Practice that belonging. I just have a couple more. Let's practice belonging by not taking ourselves also too seriously. I think this leads us into trouble. So it's led me into trouble. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for myself and I'll own it. Take responsibility for what I say. I, I practice belonging by not taking myself too seriously. And I practice belonging by having some fun. Let's have some fun together. 
this is, this is good work for us, church, this practice of belonging, to both believe that God is doing this among us and that we can step into this process and be energized by it. For here in Ephesians 2, Paul reminds us that we belong to one another. We belong to God. We belong to one another, and we belong to God, and Christ has this hopeful vision for us, for his church, of who we are and who we are becoming in Christ, that we may be a light, that we may be a people of God who attract others who need to hear the witness of this God revealed in Jesus Christ. So I stand here today, eight years after going to Ephesus, as a proud witness of how God continues to build his church here at Abbey Way. Back then, I had been going to Abbey Way for about nine months. Nine months! And I certainly wasn't a pastor or anything at that point. So I stand now, eight years later, as a proud witness to how God continues to build his church, fit his church together here at Abbey Way and in our neighborhood, in our denomination, in our city, in our world. And I stand here today with a glad heart, knowing that we are being fitted together with the saints who have gone before us. All of us gathered together in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that we belong to you and we belong to one another. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that you are fitting us together to be this holy temple in which you come to live. Live in us, God. Please make us your faithful people. May we share the life and the love and the mercy of Jesus. May we be like epiphany stars, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.